Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20 plus, you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. The most prominent feature in Lone Butte, the community, is Lone Butte, the volcanic plug that towers over the landscape on the Caribou Plateau. The mountain was formed 6 million years ago thanks to a prehistoric volcano. The vertical structure of Lone Butte forms a monument that rises 160 feet over the surrounding landscape. It is very similar to the appearance of the famous Devil's Tower in Wyoming. Another feature of the area is Green Lake, which is one of the largest bodies of water in the southern area of the Caribou. The lake is 14 kilometers long and 1.5 kilometers in width, with 57 kilometers of shoreline. The name comes from the fact that the lake has a low flushing rate and, coupled with the shallow waters, gives it a greenish hue. Today, the entire area is part of Green Lake Provincial Park. The area where Lone Butte is found today is the home of the Shuswap people, and has been for centuries. Long before Europeans ever arrived in the area, the indigenous would form complex societies that had trading networks that extended throughout the interior of British Columbia and into the Pacific Coast. In the area, 70 Mile Houses would be established near to where Lone Butte is today in 1862. 
Originally, it was a hostel for the Caribou Wagon Road work crews, and while the community has faded away, it is now one of the premier guest ranches in the entire Caribou region. The original roadhouse would last until 1956 until it sadly burned down, but travelers along Highway 97 can still find a store and a variety of services at the former location of the roadhouse. It's also a great stop to learn some local history. The origin of Lone Butte came about in 1914 thanks to a railroad construction camp that was established. The site was chosen because of the plentiful water supply that was in the area, which was vital for the steam engines of the era. One year later, a station house was built at Lone Butte, but construction on the railroad would be put on hold as the First World War was raging, and there were more important matters to attend to at the time. It would not be until 1919 that the railroad construction would begin again, but that didn't mean Lone Butte wasn't beginning to grow. In 1915, the first road from 100 Mile House was built, and a stopping house and post office was also built in the area. In 1919, construction began on a wooden water tower to provide water to the growing community. Built to a capacity of 40,000 gallons, construction would finish in 1920. The tower would give the steam engines and early pioneers water that was needed, helping the community and the area prosper as a result. The amazing thing is that this water tower still exists to this day and is located in the downtown core of Lone Butte. The most recognizable structure of the community, it is one of the last remaining wooden water towers found in the entire province. Before long, with a small gold rush and the influx of ranchers, Lone Butte would begin to prosper and for a time, the community was the largest town in the Caribou region. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Of course, things always change, and by the mid part of the 20th century, Lone Butte saw its influx of settlers begin to slow, and before long, the community would become a small community in the region, but still a prosperous one. Oddly enough, in August 1922, the citizens of Lone Butte decided they wanted to change the name of the community from Lone Butte to McPhee. The name change was requested because there was already a Lone Butte in Alberta, and Ottawa stated there could not be two Lone Buttes in Western Canada. The name of McPhee was chosen in honour of George McPhee, a veteran of the First World War and the owner of the town site itself. The name change never went beyond that point, and today the community is of course still known as Lone Butte. This is likely because Lone Butte, Alberta faded away into a ghost town, and the name change was no longer needed. The same year that the name change was suggested, Lone Butte was described as the busiest place along the PGA Railroad. A passenger who arrived on March 10, 1922 was heard to say, quote, 
This is the busiest place I've seen since I left Vancouver, end quote. One person who lived in the thriving Lone Butte community was Alice Singleton. As a young woman, she would work as a cook at the Unicorn Ranch. She loved horses and always enjoyed riding horses into the landscape for days at a time. She would marry Wilfred Singleton in 1955, and they would buy a small farm near to the community before moving to the former Red Cross nursing station in Lone Butte in the late 1950s. The home they lived in was built in the early years of the community and was bought by Herbert Craig of the Red Cross in 1948. He then expanded it and turned it into the Red Cross Outpost Hospital on September 25, 1948. This hospital remained running until 1959 when it was bought by the Singletons. That same year, Singleton would become the postmistress of the community, a role that she would hold for the next 20 years. In January 1960, a Diefenbunker fallout shelter was also built at the location, and Alice would live in the home until 2006 when she donated it to the Lone Butte Historical Association. Today, the building is the Alice Singleton Heritage House. Alice would live until February 2014, when she passed away only a few months shy of her 100th birthday. In 1942, the Taylor Lake internment camp was built near to Lone Butte, and this was where Japanese Canadians were housed under orders of the federal government. Their only crime was having Japanese heritage, or being born in Japan before moving to Canada. The area had a long history of gold mining, and there was the location of a construction camp for the Bridge River hydroelectric project. When the Japanese-Canadian internment began, the Japanese-Canadians were housed in the former worker barracks of the camp. The internees were then put to work at local sawmills. Life at the camps would be very hard, and the Japanese-Canadians did what they could to make them as livable as possible by growing vegetable and flower gardens, producing tea and food, building baseball diamonds and bathhouses, and schools for the children held at the camps. The Taylor Lake internment camp location would be recognized as a provincial heritage site in 2017. In 1955, the community's three-bed hospital was nearly destroyed in a fire. A fire had begun at 7.30 a.m. on November 18th and was noticed by nurse Irene Cohen. The fire had started in the power plant next to the hospital, and nurse Cohen asked the telephone operator to send a man to help with the fire, and instead of one man, 50 turned out in the sub-zero temperatures. She would say, quote, Everything is under control. The people were wonderful. End quote. Thankfully, there were no patients in the hospital, and the 50 men fighting the fire were able to save the building. Unfortunately, the power plant and the fuel house were destroyed in the fire. I hope you enjoyed that rather short episode of Canadian History X, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseeth, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, 
and Iris Gray. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.